developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Lynn and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today visiting with us is my friend and entrepreneur, Elizabeth Marbury. Elizabeth is truly an amazing person and what's very unique, I've known her since her high school days as a friend of my daughter's and great dance mates and we've we've had lots of fun times together. Today you're going to quickly see Elizabeth's power, passion, and success. We're going to talk about confidence in your body and the dance floor. It's a little different type of a topic for the show today, but you're going to see how it just so uh, expands your vision of what can be done in your life. But first, let's start a little bit about uh, telling you a little more about Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, has a dance studio, and she's the CEO of it. She's a podcaster and a former professional dancer who built her six-figure dance studio business called Wedding Dance Coach from a Craigslist ad and a brilliant idea. And we're going to hear more about that in a minute. Elizabeth's company has won the Knotts, K-N-O-T, the Knotts Best of Weddings Award for the past eight years and has been featured in the New York Times, Voyage Denver, and Wedding Wire. Her podcast, Strut It with Elizabeth, is a place where creative CEOs and entrepreneurs circle up and get real about how hard and deeply rewarding this whole forging your path thing is. She helps business leaders to dance with the flames of uncertainty, self-doubt, and money scarcity as they build the business empire of their dreams so that they are no longer fear the fire. They no longer fear the fire, but welcome the heat. Love all of that languaging in there, Elizabeth. Her passion lies in inspiring others to dance full out in business and life. So I want to welcome... Elizabeth and uh, and her dancing. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you, Lynn. I'm so excited to be here. I'm super, super honored and excited for our talk today. Well, it's great. And I'll tell everybody right, right now, I love listening to your podcast and I watch your usually vid- videos on Instagram. And if everybody can just close their eyes for a minute and see living life full out, that is Elizabeth. Every, uh, I think it's every day that you must post, and it's dancing, and it's and and it's being vulnerable, and it's being fun, and um, it just gives me that little get up and go for the day. So thanks for all that. 
Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, you're right. I do try to show up really consistently for people and just spread the positivity and the energy and just encourage people to take up more space on the dance floor and in their own lives. And I encourage people to really listening, listen to your language, you know, take up more space in their life, expand their lives, move through their lives, really listen to your language. It is just so fluid and you're using dance as a vehicle, but you're so deep into life, which is what I love. So let's, let's back up a little bit. And, um, you know, when I knew you way back and then how you started some of your business, cause you've had a number of businesses, um, it was about body image and confidence. And, you know, let's talk just a little bit about why so many, especially girls and women struggle with their body image and confidence. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that there's lots of different things at play. There's definitely the system, you know, the, the, the culture that we grow up in as women, where we are taught from a really young age that your appearance is the most important thing about you. And, um, we live in a really fat phobic society. So, I know that when I was growing up, you know, my mom, she, I was fortunate. She never commented on my body. She never criticized my body, um, but she criticized her own body and she was really, really hard on herself. And as a little girl, I just remember seeing this beautiful woman and feeling so confused um, as to why she was kind of beating herself up and you know, of course, this wasn't intentional, you know, on her on her end. But part of what what I learned from watching her is that, you know, you know, smaller bodies are more valued. You, you know, gaining weight or being in a bigger body is not good. And it's to be avoided at all costs. And um, and that, of course, was a message I got from her, but it was reinforced in the society that we live in, where as women, we are just so, you know, it's definitely it's definitely shifting, but it is uh, pretty deeply rooted within us as women um, that our worth is heavily based on on the size of our body and our appearance and um, growing up in the dance world, that was just even more reinforced because I was, you know, standing in front of a mirror all the time, you know, learning from a very young age to compare my body to other bodies in the room. And really, um, I, I kind of started that pursuit of thinness as a child. And that is not a not a great pursuit. It's 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 a trap that a lot of us get into. So yeah, to answer your question, I think it's systemic, and I also think it's within our our family systems. Um, so kind of both both layers coming into play. Well, I so agree with you. You know, you're mentioning your mother, whom uh, we had so much fun with when we'd go to dance competitions and all. But it made me think about my mother that even as she aged and when she got very ill and she was over 80 at that time, and I remember visiting her in the hospital and she was um, truly close to dying. But even at that place, and she had gained lots of fluid weight in her belly, and we joked about it being a 
like a Buddha belly. And at that age and in that place of her life, she still wondered, am I ever going to get rid of my belly? And it shocked me, but not really, living with my own body issues, that it is systemic and it we carry it all of our lives. And so the big question is, you know, what was the turning point for you in making peace with your body and food? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I first want to say that I I still see that in my mom, too. She's almost 80 years old, and she there's still a feeling of like striving for this body she doesn't have. And it, it does break my heart because I just want to put out there to all people listening is like, what would you do with your life force if you were not so consumed by your body? You know, and a lot of us kind of hide behind, Oh, I'm trying to be healthy, but it's not healthy to be obsessive over your weight. It's not healthy to be, self-critical and judgmental and be counting every calorie and being obsessive over exercise. And none of that is healthy. So I love that we're having this conversation, Lynn, because we, everyone listening to this can make a decision that they're not going to be, you know, 80, 90, and still feel like a disconnect with their, with this vessel that has carried them through their entire life. Like what a blessing. So I'm just happy that we're kind of shining light on this topic because I'm so passionate about it. And to answer your question, the turning point, there was a, a couple different turning points for me. One was I lost my father really tragically when I was 20 years old. I was living in New York City and I was struggling with disordered eating at that time in my pursuit of thinness and my pursuit of this ideal body. And when I lost my dad, there was a turning point where I, I knew that because it was so tragic that I actually could use that as an excuse as to why life didn't work out well for me, that I can move back home. I could give up on my dream. I could, I mean, knowing what happened, everyone would have just understood that like, wow, like, like, it just didn't work out. And that was kind of like, I remember having those thoughts of like, this is my permission slip. Like I, this horrible thing happened to me and this is my permission slip to give up. Um, and I had this turning point where it was like a cold January day. And I, I thought about that option. And then I said, you know what? I am not going to give up. I'm not going to allow this tragedy to define my life. And if anything, my father would have wanted me to go and pursue my dream of dance and get healthy and um, live this one precious life, like full out. And so I made an actual choice that day that this would not, um, this would not hold me back. Rather, I would choose life. I mean, it really was like, do I want to live or die? Like that's, that's kind of where I was at. And, um, and I flew back to New York city and kept pursuing my dream and it was extremely challenging. And, but I, I dedicated myself once again to just my healing path within my body and food and exercise. And, um, so did a lot of therapy and all of that. And I mean, it was, a, it was a process. I would say a couple of things that I did in addition to seeing, you know, a disordered eating therapist and, and reading lots of really great books. Um, 
was I started practicing intuitive eating. And this was before intuitive eating was like a thing. Like I didn't really know it existed. So it, it, I kind of stumbled upon these principles myself. But what I found is that whenever I would feel guilty about the foods I was eating, I would actually eat much more of them. And I would feel so out of control with food. And so when I started to really give myself permission to eat and gave myself permission to eat when I was hungry and, you know, notice when I was full, but let's say there was a day that I ate past fullness. Instead of feeling guilty, I just said, okay, it's one meal, no big deal, moving on with my life. I'm not going to become obsessive over it. And slowly, um, I started to just build up trust with myself and food and my body knew that she was going to be fed consistently and, um, and, and food, I used to be just so obsessive about food. Like I would think about it from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. It was really unhealthy and getting to a point where now I don't even think about food. Like when I think about food, it's like, what do I want? Like, what am I craving? Or but there's not like the moral virtues anymore. Like I don't feel like, oh, I'm being good if I have a salad or if I have a donut, I'm being bad because that kind of binary thinking really got me trapped in that disordered eating cycle. So really right. practicing intuitive eating was one of the major keys that I was able to kind of heal and break the cycle. Well, Elizabeth, if I might say, what a huge step, you know, when your dad died and I remember all of that, but the impact on you, I, I, I didn't see you and know you at that time. And, and your sharing and being so vulnerable and open is just what makes you so great in that we all have terrible tragedies in our life and we can't avoid that. But the only thing we can do is how we take the action. That's our responsibility. What do we do from there? And and you just chose such a, a, a big path and, and took the steps to make it. And I uh, commend you on that. And thank you for your openness. And I think you've said some really interesting things, you know, giving yourself permission to eat. And, and I loved your question. And I'd like all of our listeners to ponder on this question, how you started. If you weren't obsessed with food in your body, what would you do? Who would you be? And, you know, it's funny what came up in my mind immediately when you said that was, I dance. And then I had a laugh. Look who I'm talking to, <laughs> you know, the dancer. Because, you know, I remember as a kid, I always wanted to dance. And I was petrified to wear a tutu and because um, I was a pudgy little kid and never really got got to dance in my life. So, so your turning points, I hope, really... And that's why I think you share them can really impact others to see it's a process. It doesn't happen with one simple decision, but boy, the process you went through, I'm sure was challenging. Um, and I just wanted to commend you on all of that. Thank you. And I love that you said that you would dance like that <laughs> is, you know, I hear that actually quite a bit. That's, that's part of what's been really fun about growing my Instagram and, and really, you know, taking this lane of, you know, taking up space, dancing full out over 40, because I get a lot of messages from people who say, like, I always wanted to dance, but I, I, you know, didn't feel the confidence or I, yeah, I felt like my body wasn't the right shape or size, or my, my parents didn't have access to money to pay for dance classes, or 
And I've received messages from people who said, thanks to your encouragement, I actually went to a rec center and signed up for a dance class and it was okay. And, and there was other adults in the class and it was amazing. And yeah, so I'm just a firm believer that it's never, ever too late. Like if, if that thought comes in your brain, like I would dance, then whether it's you're going to put on a song and dance full out in your kitchen today, or you're going to go sign up for, you know, a couple's dance class and, and be brave and not have a couple and just show up and, you know, whatever it is, it's like, this is the time, like, this is, don't wait, like, this is the time to do it. Yeah, you got that right. And I have been dancing around the house in, in my private confines. So, <laughs> but the, I love it. <laughs> yeah, let's fast forward. And, you know, tell us, how did you use what you've learned through your own personal growth to uh, start your dance business? Yeah, so I had, you know, danced professionally, and then I started to transition when I was living in Chicago into doing more choreography and teaching full-time, and at that time, I knew that I, you know, absolutely loved teaching, but I was I was working with kids full-time, and I was getting so burned out, and what I discovered is that my absolute favorite lessons were private lessons with adults, and I was one of the only instructors who would do that who like if an adult would call in and be like I'm going on a cruise and I want to dance and feel more confident they were like uh send them to Elizabeth like no one else knows what to do with these people <laughs> and so That's great. I really loved it and 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 I knew that you know moving to Colorado I was I was hit I was pivoting in my business and in my life I was once again teaching kids but I just kept thinking you know, I want to I do my own business, and I want it to be private dance lessons for adults, And but I didn't know what niche I wanted to go into. And then in planning my wedding with my husband back in 2010, I realized how nervous I felt for my first dance. And I was thinking, okay, wait a second. I'm a former professional dancer, and I'm feeling nervous about dancing in front of all my, my friends and family flying in from all over the country. And this moment actually feels really important to me and, and my husband. And I was like, how do non-dancer people do this? Like, this is so stressful. And then stress. my husband, <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> they just do it stress. And so my, my husband, he is not a dancer. And so we ended up doing the most epic and fun surprise first dance where we started off, you know, slow, and then we busted out into a dance through the decades, right? We did a dance from the 90s or from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, more contemporary songs. And it totally transformed the whole energy and life of the reception. And that's when I kind of had this idea that, I couldn't go into a ballroom studio and and have them do what I had created with my husband. And that is when Wedding Dance Coach was born, where we started focusing on doing private lessons with couples and doing customized first dance choreography. And here we are 12 years later. I have a team of teachers. We actually work with people worldwide now because I have a virtual studio as well, in addition to our brick and mortar studio in Denver. And every year we, we grow and we reach more and more couples. And to date, we've worked with over, you know, 
like thousands and thousands of couples. Like it's it's scaled up pretty big. So it's it's a, been a really fun journey, and I've learned so much along the way. <laughs> And that's the source of where you became the Knott's Best of Wedding Award and all of those and your features on on helping couples really love their dancing together. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we over the years, we've accumulated over 155 star reviews on the Knot, which is a wedding planning website that a lot of couples use. And yeah, the New York Times, they had reached out to me and they wanted to interview me. This was Quite a, quite a few years ago now, but yeah, it's it's really been you know every year we keep growing and reaching more people, and it's just such a blessing. It's such a fun. It's it's really the best job ever because we're taking people who are so nervous, they're self proclaimed horrible dancers with two left feet, feeling terrified of being in the spotlight in front of their family and friends. And they walk out of our studio and they are so confident. They're connected. They know what to do. It's simple yet impressive. And it becomes one of their favorite memories, not only of their wedding day, but of their entire wedding planning journey. So people people are really loving it. We've had a lot of great feedback. I think it's so great. And I've had the opportunity to be in your studio and see, you know, see what looks like clumsy dancers laughing, enjoying, having a great time. It's just so, so wonderful. Uh, We're going to take a break here in just a minute, Elizabeth. And when we come back, we want to now spend a little time on talking about um, how dancing, how you show up on the dance floor is also how you show up in life. It's a big jump, but not really. It's, it's, uh, I look forward to you explaining to us uh, how you look and how you show up. And so we're going to take a break here and we'll be right back in a few minutes. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. Discover the power of the seeing brain, the creator of your true vision. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's number one bestseller book, Expand Your Vision, helps you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Remove roadblocks and visualize your new lens to see and experience your world. Get Expand Your Vision on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. 
Can your child organize, really organize? Parents and teachers will have practical step-by-step strategies and templates to help get their children organized with Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's Organize It Workbook. Increased organizational skills create success and confidence in school, sports, and life. Get Organize It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We've had a delightful time dancing through the first part of this podcast with Elizabeth Marbury, who has a dance studio and she's a wedding dance coach, but goes far beyond the dance and uses dance as a metaphor for your life. And so let's move into... You know, you, you've always said that how you show up or don't show up on the dance floor is also how you show up or don't show up in life. Tell us what you mean about that. Yes, I would love to. So I want you to imagine a person who's at a wedding or they're at an event or they're at a, maybe a school dance and they are sitting on the sidelines they are sitting at the table they're feeling maybe shy or super self-conscious and maybe they're you know okay let's first start and imagine that this person actually wants to dance because if you don't want to dance you know this metaphor doesn't really apply to you but let's say you actually want to dance, but yet you are just, your inner critic is going wild, you're judging yourself, you're super self-conscious, and you end up, you know, throughout the entire evening just sitting on the sidelines and never getting on the dance floor. And you go home and you just feel a sense of emptiness and disconnect and it feels like your light is kind of dimmed. And so what I say to people is it's the first step. If you want to get on the dance floor of life, if you want to pursue your heart calling, if you want to do the thing that is uncomfortable, if you want to be bad at the thing, like when you first start doing a thing, you're going to not be good at it. That's just part, that's just part of doing anything new. Right. And that's beyond dance. You know, you're talking about life, work, play, relationship. This is beyond dance. Yes. This is just all one big metaphor for life, right? So if you are part, part of cultivating and creating a life that is fulfilling to you is you must be willing to get up out of your chair and get your cute self on the dance floor even if you don't know what you're doing, even if you are don't have it all figured out, you don't have everything planned from A to Z, and you are willing to just show up and be imperfect. So that is, is totally what I see specifically with dance is that a lot of people are just so hard on themselves and they're like, I just, I'm so bad at this. And I'm like, well, like, how often do you dance or how many dance classes have you taken or how many videos have you watched or how many classes? You know, and there's like one or two. And I'm like, okay, 
it requires more than that. You know, we kind of, I feel like as adults, we had this weird expectation that it's easier for other people, but it's hard for us. And so kind of getting past that and being willing to show up and be a beginner and to not be great and to, and this really applies to business as well as like when you are going after something or you're, you're on the dance floor and you're not so sure what you're doing, so you know that you love the song. And so you just kind of start moving to it and it maybe isn't the best or, you know, you don't feel like you know what you're doing, but you just keep moving to it and you kind of feel your way through it. And business is so similar in that way where it's like, we learn by doing, we learn by doing. So when you sit on the sidelines of the dance floor, you're not, you're not learning because you are not doing, you're sitting. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, so, it to- um, totally yes. makes sense. Right. Does in it? Fact, okay, good. You know, I was going to say it's so consistent with the work. You know, my book title is called See It, Say It, Do It. You can visualize whether it's your business or going on the dance floor. You can declare it. I'm going to do it. I am a dancer. But until you take the action step, it's and it's like literally another metaphor, a step, um, the, the next step of the dance, uh, nothing happens. You're a dreamer or you get lost in the crowd and, and it's really that experience of taking the next step. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think getting like back to the actual process of learning how to dance. One thing that's really interesting is when you're, you're in a dance class or you're in a yoga class or you're at a gym class or whatever, whatever it is, you're learning something new. I think it's a really good step to get curious as to your inner dialogue. So when I'm teaching you a new eight count, does your brain go into, oh my gosh, I'm not learning this fast enough. Oh, look at me. I don't know my left or my right foot. I'm so stupid. I'm this, I'm that. And just noticing without judging, without being critical of yourself, like, oh, I'm doing it again. But just seeing how you approach doing new things, trying things out that are out of your comfort zone. And to me, that's, that's the power because once you can really observe how you're interacting with yourself and talking to yourself, you can start to shift that into empowering language of I am learning. It's okay to fall down. Actually, it's okay for me to get it wrong and I'm going to keep showing up even if I'm not doing it right. You know, and, and so that's where I think I love that metaphor of dancing is like, can you be brave and just show up and unhook from within yourself from any attachment to it being a certain outcome and allow yourself to just get lost in the music and enjoy what your body is capable of in this moment? I love that. And you made mention of and dance imperfectly and being it's almost being allowed to be imperfect as opposed to what many of us. If I can't dance perfect, I can't go out there and even try. And and it's almost like when you set the the goal of being imperfect, well, I can do that really well, you know, change that. Yes. I love that. That's great. Exactly. So share some steps 
that you can, um, you know, help our listeners in improving your confidence? You know, what things can they do and take up more space in their lives? Yeah, I think the first step is to take a pause because we tend to, you know, as doers, as action takers, we're kind of in motion a lot, which is great. But unfortunately, when you're always in motion and in action, you actually don't have the space to listen and be really crystal clear on your desires and listen to your intuition and all of that, which I believe is super important. So I think the first step is to take a pause and whether that means that you're just going for a walk in nature. I go for a walk every day for 30 minutes in nature and that's kind of my way of reconnecting to myself. So it, it could be a walk or it could be sitting down on your porch chair and just taking some deep breaths and staring at a tree. <laughs> you know, it, it, right. it can look however it needs to. But taking a pause and tuning into what is it that I actually want? Because I find, and this is a, a constant question I'm asking myself, because I tend to be a person who has a lot of gumption. I have really big, you know, dreams and visions, but I need to bring it back down to earth and say, but what is it that I really want? And getting clear, like crystal clear on your heart's desire. That is the first step. And a lot of women in particular have trouble even stating their desires because there's a level of guilt around wanting. There's a level of guilt around, well, that's too much, or I'm being too selfish, or I'm, you know, we have all these weird, you know, old patterns and old belief systems that, that want to keep us down, you know? So really that first step of like, not only stating your desires, but believing that it's possible, that you're capable and that you are worthy of those desires is probably one of the most important steps. And then once you're clear on that, that's where you move into step two, which is the action, taking inspired action toward whatever it is that is your goal. And I tend to, you know, one of the things I'm currently working on is I tend to just be this big, bold visionary and I get a little bit overwhelmed in all of the steps. And so I'm trying to really um, chisel each day down to like, what is the one thing or the one step that I can do today to move the needle forward? And knowing that that actually is enough, that I did enough, and then I'll do that again tomorrow. So those are some things that that I would recommend starting with. And those are great. And the pause, I mean, if we never give ourselves time to pause, we never get to create. And and I think that's so helpful. And, you know, walking nature is what I do as well. And, and that clears my head. Uh, but I think what you've said about pick one thing, because often many people I see have wonderful dreams. They have great aspirations and they visualize and they declare it, but they don't know how to do every step of it. And so they often get overwhelmed. That's the feeling overwhelmed. I can't do it. It's too much. And just finding one step opens the door. And then from there, you just never know what the next step will be. And that's okay. And, um, 
But having yes. a process I'd like that, I think, is just uh, really wonderful. Yes, and I I love that, too, because I think when we get stuck in the how, there's this weird belief that, like, other people have it figured out, but I don't. And I've met now, you know, m- you know multi-seven-figure entrepreneurs, and they don't have it all figured out. They have days where they're, you know, they feel that impostering energy. They have days of self-doubt. They have ideas and they, they don't know how to make it happen. And so I guess I just want to say, like, that is just normal. Like, that is just the game of life. Like, there's no just perfect roadmap that you're just going to go on. It's just that everything is just a grand experiment. And as you said, yeah, you're just going to do the next right thing every day. And then, you know, a year or two later, you're going to have built this amazing thing. And and it's incredible. Yeah. And go ahead and share how that led you into being an entrepreneur and where you're at now. Well, I, you know, I think I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, since I was a little girl, I remember making these stuffed animals out of paper and stuffing them with cotton <laughs> balls and then selling them <laughs> in front of my house. <laughs> Lemonade stands probably, right? <laughs> yes. I think my dad was my only customer, but it did not, you know, dim my light. I was like, I'm going to make more of these. <laughs> um, yeah, I think entrepreneur spirit has always been alive in me and it's come from a place of just creation of of wanting to create the you know I I get visions and ideas and I just am a creator and I just want to create and so that's you know I I feel like I've I've always been an entrepreneur but it really I I would say from from a business standpoint business growth standpoint it's really been the last three years that I have really invested in myself. I've invested in mentors and coaches. And I kind of joke that I've gone to business school, you know, again, um, and learning so much about marketing and sales. And I'm obsessed with social media marketing now. And, and just, you know, currently I'm, I'm learning about how to be a, a an embodied CEO and leader and really be an incredible, you know, um, boss. And cause that's not really a skill set that, that I, I've always felt comfortable, you know, claiming, um, that title. And so I think the entrepreneurial journey is just, it's, it's really challenging. It brings up all of your muck. It brings up all of your shadows, but it is so fulfilling because you get to birth and create, you know, your, your, um, visions, I guess, or, you know, whatever, whatever your heart so-called, you know, called to create. (laughs) Well, you know, again, I, I spoke at the beginning for everybody to, to listen for your language. And your language is so full of vision terms. You talk about, and I had visions, and I have an idea, and I'm a creator. And um, and so uh, I've that's your language. That's your way of being. And what I think was 
really uh, important for everybody to listen to was you have all these great ideas, but then you found the importance of getting help, which many of us can't do. You know, I resisted coaching and, you know, if you're perfect, how could you ever allow somebody to see your imperfections? And that, of course, is the recipe of holding you back forever. Um, but at the time when you're perfect, you don't know that. And then you investing in your your coaches and your courses and yourself, you becoming even bigger and taking up more space for yourself is what carries through into your business and what makes you so great. Um, so asking for help uh, and being open and vulnerable to receiving it, I think is a real key in this growth. Oh my gosh. It is, it is. I wish that I had invested in a business coach like 12 years ago instead of three years ago. I mean, it's, it is completely transformed not only my business, but just myself, you know, how I'm showing up as a mom and a wife and a friend. And it is, yeah, I, I used to have, I used to believe the lie that I can do it all myself. Yeah, I used to believe that. And part of that was a survival mechanism, I think, after I lost my dad of, of you know, I can't count on anyone. I'm just going to do it all myself. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And there is, life becomes so much richer and fuller and more, uh, you have, like, fulfilling is the word that's coming through when you get support. And you're right, Lynn, it takes a lot of vulnerability to kind of, you know, I'm right now in a mastermind program that is helping me to step into CEO and visionary. And, but for me to sign up and invest in that program, I had to acknowledge I need help in that department. It's actually not my strength to really be a solid leader to my team. I need to learn these skills. And that's the first step is just being honest about like where, where are your blind spots and yes, getting help. You don't have to do it alone. It's so much better when you have an incredible coach or mentor or course or, or book like, like Lynn's book to support you along the way. Well, it's so interesting. You mentioned visionary. I had just written that down and listened to, I said, Whoa, she's really a visionary, <laughs> which is great. You know, we only have a couple minutes left, Elizabeth, and I want to make sure you tell our listeners about your podcast, how they can find and connect with you and watch those marvelous almost daily videos of you dancing anywhere in in or outside of your house yes thank you so much for the opportunity so yeah i would absolutely love if you are a creative visionary ceo entrepreneur small business owner to go check out my podcast it is called strut it with elizabeth marbury dancing full out in business and life and I have a lot of incredible, you know, super successful guests on the show. I do um, solo episodes and, and really every episode, I want you to walk away with some tangible strategies and mindsets that you can implement to improve not only your business, but your life. So Strut It with Elizabeth Marbury can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to dance with me and hang out with me daily, I I hang out on Instagram. You can follow me there under Elizabeth Marbury. And 
I also am on TikTok with my wedding dance coach company. So you can follow us on TikTok or on Instagram at wedding dance coach. And we post lots of couples dance tutorials and, and lots of couples dance inspiration. So come find me and dance with me and send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Well, Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. I'm so inspired. I've always been inspired with you and your dancing. And it's just an honor to have you on the show today. And um, all this information is on our show notes, so our listeners can find you then. But thanks so much. And um, I look forward to dancing my way through the rest of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.